Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What is going on, Fightful Faithful? Welcome back to a brand new uh, interview here today where we are sitting down here with the undisputed British heavyweight champion, Mr. Michael Oku, just a couple of days before he does uh, face off with Will Ospreay in his trilogy trilogy match. And I hope uh, you're doing well today, Michael. I'm doing really well, Corey. Thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, I'm ready to talk anything. Anything you want to talk about, let's do it. Um, so obviously, starting off, we're going to talk about that Osprey match. It's an absolutely massive match. It's his last match before he heads on to AEW. Last match in the UK scene, and uh, you, you're you're very familiar with him. Two matches in the chamber, two singles matches in the chamber already. Um, so uh, just an overall kind of question of like, kind of what does this mean to you to kind of have this chance at, um, at almost redemption with Osprey before he he does leave Pro for good or for the foreseeable days? Yeah, no, I, I think it's one of those things. First of all, I think he truly does want to, like, finish things off. It's not like a contractual, you're not allowed to wrestle forever anymore. But I really think that he's trying to think what's best for himself, his his career, his body, his family, to no longer do the indies. Um, so there is there is a bit of a, um, an, uh, what's the word here? I want to say, like, a... It, I really appreciate that I'm the last match because it could be anyone. There's loads of people that are in the scene, um, but the match that makes the most sense, I think, to to fans and I think to Will is for it to be me. Um, of course, the last two matches were were losses, so it would just be a cool headline for me personally as a wrestler and for my like career. If the headline is that I'm one of the few people who has a victory over Will Ospreay, which is the case for like the last few years. And if it's his final match in the Indies, that's that's kind of what's what'd be cool for me. Yeah, and obviously there's there's two very important stipulations to the match you guys set it up in your face to face last weekend. And I'm just wondering for you, um the, the emotional and storyline element to the match that going into it. Obviously, it's a, it's a long-term story with you guys now, and Amira has been brought into it by Will time and time again. So, obviously, you decided that you didn't want referee stoppages. Will decided that Amira could throw in the towel if she wanted. And just uh, just your general thoughts on those two stipulations for you personally and what, what that adds to the match for you. So, of course, the one of the biggest parts about that that second match that me and Will had two years ago was that it was so emotionally driven and you know my family there is ringside but also my girlfriend Amira is there ringside and her being brought into it I think took the match to another level in terms of not just a great Will Ospreay match because he he had great matches earlier that year he made it in Tokyo Dome and then he had loads of crazy matches um, in throughout 2022 and has done since of course so that I think that's one of the reasons why people, even though he's had a plethora of matches around the world, people come back to this match as one that stands out to them because of that that added element of of a mirror. So I think for me, when I was thinking about right, well, it's time for the third match, and and just as a wrestler, it's like God, we do have to try and see if we can live up to 
the second match. What makes the most sense is um, the no ref stoppage just staying because there's no point of it just going, that not being the case anymore and we're going back down. It's always trying to think, how do we add the, another stipulation? How do we escalate things? But I didn't want it to be a thing of like taking away the idea, which is just about professional wrestling. It's like, who's the better professional wrestler? And for yeah. me, I'm such a big thing on when the stories still revolve around beating someone in a professional wrestling match. So it, we could have done like a, well, we tried, we could have tried to probably get Andy to find a budget for her in the cell or a ladder, you know, but, but I think it's some, so important that like, it's still just boiled down to its core. It's just a singles match, like one-on-one -on -one kind of affair, but then still have a mirror, um, adding something and like an element of, of doubt in terms of what she'll do and, and people wondering what she'll do as well as it adding some, I guess, some question over to how the match is going to end. Yeah, it, it's obviously those first two matches were two of the most well-known of your career at this point, just for the simple, as you said, the emotional aspect. And I'm just wondering, for you personally, is this the best version of Michael Oku that's going into face Will Ospreay on uh, February 18th? 100%. Yeah, that's very easy to like for me to stand back and look. I, I do feel like I've improved every year, maybe except for 2020 when there's a pandemic. And like there was no way to train or wrestle. Yeah. I, I, but I think every year I've been able to exponentially grow as a wrestler and I'm able to learn new things and I'm able to feel like even just like last weekend, I wrestled Leon Slayer at North Wrestling. And that's the third time me and him have wrestled. And I feel like we were doing things or wrestling in a way that was completely different to the first two times we wrestled. And we're only talking about the space of a year that we've had three matches. So for sure, I'd say that like I'm on the top of my game. And, and and that's kind of what I need to be as well, because because Will is also in the top of his game. He he's also improving, even though people are probably saying he's probably the best freshman one from 2019. I think he's improved so much since then. So I have to be the best in my game, and and with that comes pressure. But I'm ready. I'm ready to to deal with it. Yeah, and um, obviously you've held the British Heavyweight Championship for a while now, over 200 days easily at this point, and. Uh, You've you've defended against some top names. You defended against Trent Seven, uh, Gabe Cade, Luke Luke Jacobs, and obviously Osprey is kind of the peak of those defenses. But is is there going for you personally? Is what comes after Osprey if you should retain on the eighteenth? What comes next? Who is who's who do you think is going to be the one to step up next and say, right, I'm I got next. So for me. Personally, it might not be a who more than it is what's next, because yeah, that it's, it seems like that's it doesn't get higher than Will Osprey. If I'm able to defend the title against him, who's the next person that could? It's then going to be a big thing if someone's able to beat me, even if it's you know like, um, even if it's someone I've already wrestled, or if it's a new person that comes out of nowhere, or if it's an import. What I want to do if if I'm able to continue like holding the title is try and make sure that like I'm making history with the belt not just holding a belt that has history i always talk about there's there's like a period of time in uh wwe where like when people held the intercontinental title as soon as they won it the promo would be about all the cool wrestlers that held it yeah and but they're all from 20 years ago and it's almost like there's this gap where they don't mention anyone who had it. Like, well, these guys are Hall of Fame. It's the Rock Triple H, you know. And what I don't want to be is like, oh, I'm able to just list off the past champions of what they've done, whereas I've done nothing huge myself. 
So I think one of the biggest things I can do, other than defend the couple box, which I did, is having the victory over Willen's last independent match. But then I want to try and see if there are new countries and new uh, big venues that I can like defend and represent RevPro. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill whilst defending the, the, the heavyweight title. So I'm, I'm trying to make it, it is a world title, even though it's a British heavyweight title. Yeah. It is, uh, it's 100% like, the prestige level is that of a world title, especially when it comes to independent wrestling. But I myself now would love to try and see if I could take that belt and go around the world with it. Uh, yeah, obviously, um, the Oscar, with the Osprey feud, as we both mentioned repeatedly, Amira has been a big part of it. And uh, when I was speaking to her a couple of days ago, she did say that, like, you both kind of agreed that she's going to move into more of a part-time role of managing you going forward, and she's going to be focusing on her in-ring stuff. For you, what is that, that going to be like for you for to know that someone, like, someone who's been by your side for pretty much everything you've had going on the last little while is is just not going to be there anymore is and are you looking forward to seeing her prove to everyone how good she is in the ring uh just just general thoughts on like what comes next for you and amira i think for for herself she didn't start wrestling she didn't get into wrestling to be a manager she got into to be a wrestler and that's the case for most people so even though um, from what she said, she's she's happy to manage me. She doesn't want to lose sight of what her goals are, which is to be a professional wrestler. And I don't want her to lose sight of that either. I want to make sure that she's going after what she wants to. Um, having said that, there is a thing where you know she's my manager and ref bro, and where where we're at, the two of us are together. We're known as like the two people that are together are there in ref bro. So there's been times where she is taking a book in um, the day of ref bro show. I've come through the curtain and then there's a fan immediately being like, where's Amira? Where is she? And I was like, she's booked. She, she's trying to wrestle. So it may be, it's going to be like, if the, if she's going to start managing me less, there's going to be this transition period where people, I feel like fans, more so than me, are going to have to get used to her not being there ringside with me. So um, I, I'm, I think I'll be okay with it. I think I, I feel I'm able to like, when I'm in the ring, it's, it's me wrestling. So I think I'll be fine in that sense. But I think, the fans getting used to not seeing her. I think they'll. I think they'll literally. They'll genuinely miss her. So we'll, we'll try and see how we can make it like make that like not like a clean break and a smooth transition to her becoming an in ring wrestler all around the country and world. And and I, I know one of her big goals would maybe eventually be a regular wrestler for Revolution Pro Wrestling. So um, I'm in her corner supporting her however I can. And that's kind of the main thing when it comes to that that I'm that I'm worried about, just making sure that she's she's happy and doing what she wants to do. Uh, I'd be remiss if while I I I had you here today to not talk a little bit about OTT. You've been there quite a few times now. You've you wrestled for OTT quite a few times now, and you did mention you want to take the the championship to other countries and so forth. So I, I'm just curious, would that be something that interests you? Possibly even locking up idea. Uh, I don't know how familiar with him you are, but Mr. Sammy D of the draw, 
is the current uh, OTT World Champion. And for me personally, at least, I would absolutely love to see you two lock up. But is is a return to OTT uh, something that interests you in the future, near future? Of course, a hundred percent. It's one of the best promotions I've ever worked for, especially from the first time I wrestled. I was like, I, I fell in love with OTT immediately. It was like September twenty nineteen. Um, I don't think I have even like been in the same ring with Sammy D. So that will be a fresh thing, and I'm I'm still looking for fresh matches um, in this point in my career. It feels like even in Europe, just all of Europe, it's hard to find uh, new matchups that haven't happened. But there's people either cropping up or people that just have stayed away from each other, not by choice, but just yeah. just by happenstance. So taking it to OTT would be a cool thing. Because I know Will, I don't know if he def- I don't think he's defended the title there, but he's come out with the belt. And... Um, there's been a, I know there's been a, like a, at least a, a good relationship with uh, OTT and RevPro and other promotions. So for sure, like with when the stars align, if the stars align, coming to OTT with the title or just coming to OTT full stop will be like a nice thing to to return to. Uh, and keeping in, in like bringing it to bigger and larger s- situations. Obviously, last year you did uh, appear at AEW All In. Uh, you didn't get the chance to wrestle. Um, would that be something that would that be kind of the biggest goal that you could possibly have this year 2024 they're going back they're going to be in london again i know you're probably going to be wrestling that week for rev pro should you uh choose to and i'm just i'm just wondering is that a goal that like you, you got to appear last year but you want to kind of step up and be on the card this year if you can if you if AEW and rev pro could figure it out obviously if it works for AEW, then of course I'd love to be a part of performing at Wembley Stadium. And you said it best there. Last year, um, not getting to wrestle, it sounds like I was supposed to, but like I'm saying like yeah. having a role full stop where like I made like a couple of appearances on the show, like two times I was on the show doing two different things. So in, in a sense, that's already a cool thing. I would like it to be like, I always like, what's the next step? What's the next goal? What's the step above that? So whatever it is if i am doing something uh on the all-in weekend if i am doing something at wembley stadium i want it to be a step up of what i've already done before so if it is that i'm in the ring that would be the ultimate i think i agree that would be the ultimate goal and the coolest thing but at the same time just being a part of the AEW team and helping out and and just being able to hang out with people i consider friends that are there in the roster that's still a good time to me too and uh, just uh, just ask because it was it was a it was a surprising appearance for a lot of people. A lot of people kind of just picked up on it. It's like, oh, Michael Oku's is here. He's he's on the show. Like, and uh, I'm just wondering what that process was like to kind of just find to be on the show. Was there just a general call for British wrestlers, or was what did someone reach out to you specifically, or? Yeah, no, I, I'm not sure how much I'm I'm allowed to talk about it. I don't think it's like super top secret. But yeah. it was it was AEW themselves that sent an email. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the criteria was, but they had a, a, a cast and crew of pro wrestlers from either the UK and from Ireland who they brought over. And I think that's kind of what the big the big companies do. They're like, here's yeah. some people that we know that are on the scene. Let's bring them in to be extras. Mm. And there may be some ideas of what they might be doing during the show but let's just have them in case we need them. And I think that was it. I, I didn't know what I'd be doing until I got there. So 
it was like, okay, show up, uh, bring these items of clothing, and we'll let you know uh, what you'll be doing if you'll be doing anything um, at the show. So it was, but it was, it was a very interesting time to just kind of be like, um, it's been a while since I've been. I don't want to say on edge because not like there was an intim. Like people weren't being intimidating, but the scale of the operation made it intimidating. Yeah, we're like just at cool. I'm just in my head feeling like, is that cool? At cool, everything's cool. Um, but what was what did help things calm things down was again, like I said, like there being AW roster members that either knew of me or that have wrestled on the indies before they went there. That that company's full of so many. Uh, stars of British wrestling, let alone um, independent wrestling. So there was that familiarity that helped things. And um, once I knew what I was doing, I was just trying to make sure that, like, just just did the job the best of my ability. Being in the being in the ring, I think that was one of the first. I think that was the first segment on the show or in the stadium. Yeah, it was the, it was on, the pre-show. Yeah. So just getting to say, all right, I'm actually going to just be in the ring while there's an AEW show happening in the center of Wembley Stadium. Well, that's a victory. That's that's a little cool thing that I can at least say I've done. Um, but yeah, did that. And then, um, yeah, like hopefully, like, you know, I guess I'll be waiting for an email next year and it might not be a guarantee. But if not, there's RefPro the day before that I'll be putting all, my all into. Oh my God. <laughs> that was unintentional, I promise. Um, so just kind of keep with the theme kind of AEW a little here. You're, you just recently did get back from a, a unique scenario for wrestlers a lot of wrestlers have spoke on it being a just completely unique experience and you did uh win the oceanic uh championship on the jericho cruise you wrestled speedball mike bailey johnny tv or johnny cruise as he was called then and uh just and obviously then you did beat macardona so is it what was that experience like for you to kind of get amira did say that there was kind of a slow bit of buzz around you kind of just slowly building as people realize just how good you are so i'm just curious like what how your experience was on that so the cruise was amazing i, I can't lie it was so much fun um because it felt like a holiday sprinkled in with getting to wrestle so i guess that's a wrestler's dream <laughs> um but it was it was it was a really good time. Something that I want to highlight that was uh, really enjoyable, maybe a little bit surprising, was how everybody's together. As in, like everybody's sharing the same things in terms of the fans as well as the the wrestlers and the talent. We're all going to the same restaurants to have to, to have food. We're all mm. using the same swimming pools. We're all on the same area for like sunbeds and the hot tubs. It was all being used by fans as well as wrestlers. And what was so cool was that you weren't not even like bothered. We all just treated each other equally. They treated us like human beings. I tr- treated them like human beings. We just got to talk um, on, a, on a human level, which was really cool to do with wrestling fans. And, you know, we've all got that that one thing in common of pro wrestling, but we're all so much different people. So that was a really enjoyable part to, to about the cruise. In terms of wrestling, um, it's such a it's such an interesting thing because yeah, I'm having three matches. I'm on a cruise that is the that is filled with AEW wrestlers and is named after one of the the biggest names in wrestling. I'm gonna say about ten people probably knew, have seen a match of mine that were on that cruise out of the thousands that were on that cruise, and that's me being generous. So it really was a thing from like, all right, let's see what this guy's about. Who is this guy to then getting right behind me? 
but but I've been in that situation lots of times. It feels very similar to if I debut in a new promotion. That's kind of the same thing, especially if it's a new country and they're not familiar with what I've done. That's happened a few times in America when I've gone these last few years. It's it's winning over fans, it's getting over um, in front of new people. I'm comfortable doing that. And there was no better opponent to do that with, especially for the match one with Speedball Mike Bailey, who I've wrestled a few times. And we both know each other so well. We were main event. That was where there was nerves. Like they had seen all these AEW wrestlers, the famous, all the famous people, Prince Nana do his dance, Swerve do his thing, all that. And then we come out and close the show. That was the only bit that was daunting, like having to follow the big names. But I knew we were going to give them something really good because we have that 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 pedigree behind us, me and Speedball. And that helped me big time going into the next matches and the crowd getting behind me and knowing me and then just losing their mind when I eventually won the belt. Uh, yeah, and just... Uh... Just even to continue on with that, you you were mentioning how uh, Leon Slayer and how you've wrestled him uh, multiple different times in recent memory. And at this stage in your career, is there someone that not not even specific to Osprey, maybe excluding Osprey here, is there someone in your career that you feel like every time you've gotten to the ring with them, it's it's not it's almost a foregone conclusion you're gonna put on an absolutely great match because you just have that chemistry. You just the fans are dying to see it and so on and so forth just just a general kind of question of is do you have that perfect opponent at this stage in your career yet if i was to yeah i want to say a few names that's the thing goodness me oh you because can name a few sure sure so because leon's a great one right there where like um yeah it's just no not even any worry of how it's going to go it's going to go really well we're just trying to outdo what we've done in the past that's a really cool feeling um, I've had those same feelings for these next guys. Of speedball is a is a is a good one. In terms of on the the British scene as well, though, where I feel like people who we're all on the same level. Um, I, I'd say Mills. Um, Mills and I we first had our first singles match in 2020, and then we went on to have a feud in Rev Pro and had a few matches where it's just like just I just know it's going to go well. He's a guy who, like, I think he's he's always been really, really good. And it's it's really cool to now see that he's starting to get the eyes of the fans. For me, Mills is like our generation's Pete Dunne. Because when I heard podcasts about Pete Dunne, it was that, like, all the wrestlers were saying that Pete Dunne was great way before mm. the fans did. And that's always been the thing for Mills. Like, all the, all the wrestlers will be like, listen, he's great. We're great. We know he's great. And I think that's something happened with Mills. So that, that's the best compliment I can give him. And we're probably going to wrestle loads of more times. And I know it's going to be great. The other one will be Luke Jacobs. Um, Luke Jacobs and I has also had, like, three singles matches. He's probably my favorite wrestler to watch. And in terms of, like, the physical toll <laughs> it takes on me, the worst wrestler for me to wrestle. I've literally got an eye injury where, like, you know, from things that happen in the ring like it's from luke so if there's someone who i also think is on top of his game people would argue that he's the number one wrestler in the country like a british indie wrestler in the country and that's where i'd argue it's me because you know, i have to i have yeah. to believe that but like for me luke is uh, is right beside me as well as leon like in terms of like who are, who's the number one wrestler on the indies it's, it's probably a toss-up between the three of us, um, but Luke is Luke is incredible. Luke is really, really is incredible. 
um obviously you were just mentioned just the, the multiple matches and all that that you've had that have built up the injuries but you're, you're no stranger to having a hectic schedule you were the uh, rev pro cruiserweight champion for nearly 900 days and you did that at a time when uh i think nowadays uh not now nowadays uh this year especially there's been a lot of rains throughout all wrestling that have just gone on for a ridiculous amount of time and it's like just closing in on that thousand days but you did that kind of just before that kind of boom of happened so i'm just kind of wondering you did shatter a couple of records doing that and i'm just wondering is that something that you want to kind of replicate with the british heavyweight title obviously it being a world title it's going to be going to be a lot more hectic a lot more brutal a lot bigger matches so on and so forth but just is that kind of in the back of your mind just thinking i've i've been a champion that long before of course i ideally want to hold it as long as possible if i can like break the reign i think will has the reign for the longest heavyweight title reign Uh, but the thing is i always have an asterisk for that that title reign and my title reign just because it began before the pandemic and then yeah. the pandemic hit. So that pads out a lot of the days. Yeah. So 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 I really sit on the, the defences. I was like, okay, what's one that is actually like a fair measurement that is like cool that no one could like can like uh you know kiss their teeth at? And I did the defenses, like sixteen defenses was the, the record um that I that I hold and set for the cruiserweight title reign. So it is it would be a cool thing if I when this title reign ends that like it's either in i get like some kind of thing that like oh michael's the only one to have done this mm. um if it if it is that like oh i'm the only one to have defended it at the copper box arena or the first one to do that then i'll take that ideally if, if it's like in a thousand day you know bloodline reign that's cool if it's multiple defenses that i'm able to do that's also cool but um yeah just i'm just, i am a really i'm really big on legacy so if there's something that I can like leave with that title reign, that's that's what I want to do. And uh, just one last question for you. Obviously, coming up is the uh, Mad Curve Forever show in memory of Mad Curve Chapman, who really touched a lot of people throughout his time and. Uh, in the UK wrestling scene. And I'm just wondering if you have any, just a positive memory or story to tell about Kurt and just how, just how he kind of was your friend and so on and so forth. Yeah, for me, the the most positive memory that I have is that he was a great friend. I've got a, I've got a story about like banana bread and that's for some reason in my head, it's been in my head recently in this last few days. Because we'd always try and see if we could meet up if there's like either a show happening or even if there's not a show happening. Um, we'd make sure that we'd bring him from Portsmouth to London. And I'd always be like, listen, I'll even half on a hotel with you. I could stay at mine, but I'll half on a hotel with you. I probably shared more hotels with Curtis than anybody <laughs> in yeah. this world. Uh, and then like um, we'd make sure we go get some good food, get some breakfast. And we saw a place that said that it had banana bread. And I don't know, I'm trying to remember why we were so fixated on this place being a good place. Well, like, if a place has banana bread, they have to be a good establishment. And then we ordered banana bread. Um, it was in a place in Brixton. And we waited, waited for the banana bread. He ordered it, not me. I said, I'm just going to get normal food. And he said, I'm going to get banana bread. And I'll have, and I'll have like a hollandaise egg omelette thing. And it was the smallest slice of banana bread ever that from there on in, 
like and the next like few years if we saw anything to do with banana bread we just send that photo to each other with no context no caption and that would be us just knowing that he was swindled out of like because it was like eight pounds as well so that's why he thought it'd be like a full meal so he got absolutely scammed from banana bread and i, and I just remember like taking the photo of him him being disappointed at his slight slice and of course we both make fun of we're the ones that we're okay to make fun of each other being small and skinny so yeah. just like well we're not with a, with a breakfast like that, you know, no wonder, no wonder you're not getting any bigger. No wonder you're not putting any size. So, um, yeah, but that, that's one of the, the memories that I was just recently thinking about in the last few days. And, um, th- there's just a countless, a number of, th- of things that people could think of that makes you laugh about him. And he really was that guy that when you saw him, you just so happy to see him because you knew you were just going to smile in, in a locker room. So, um, yeah, like I think that's the idea of what the show is going to be. Obviously, it's going to be to tribute him, and we're going to like give proceeds, all the proceeds to to his family to help them and to support them. But also, it's going to be an idea of just to remember like how fun he was, and make sure that we have the silliest show in in his honor. Uh, and uh, just before we do wrap up, obviously, Mad Curve Forever it is on March fifth, guys. Rev Pro High Stakes February eighteenth against Will Osprey. Uh, is there anything else you want to promote? Anything else you want to just let people know? Come and watch. Um, no, I mean that'll be it. It'll just be go go watch some wrestling. You know that th- those those are two very important shows for very different reasons for me. Um, those would be the two ones, the, the main ones I would plug. Um. I've got, uh, I guess, 16 carat. I guess that's in March, which actually I've never, I've never done that tournament before. And, and that's just a really, really cool thing I made to take off my bucket list that I didn't even think. It's, it's very similar to Bowler, where I was like, oh, this is a thing that I'll never be chosen for just because it's just one of the things that maybe they won't choose me for. And, and then it, it, it's come at the right time of my career, and, and I'm, I'm planning to win that. So, so yeah, like 16 carat, the Will Ospreay match uh, at high stakes, which is a Sunday. And then, of course, yeah, come to the Mad Forever show, which is in Manchester. It's a, it's a far journey for me, um, but if anyone can make it, um, it'll be much appreciated. All right. Thank you very much for speaking to me today, Michael. I look forward to everything that you've got going on. Um, guys, if you are new to Fightful Overbook, make sure to subscribe, like the video, and uh, I'll be back with more interviews later this week. So uh, see you guys in the next one.